Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Yep, you knew it was coming. If you've been a part of JCM curricula for any length of time, you've heard this verse every single sermon. You've heard this verse come up over and over again. Jesse, what, are you, what is it about Romans 10.9 that you just fixate on? Like, why does everything come back to Romans 10.9? It's because, Betsy, it's the only verse in the whole Bible that says, if this, then you will be saved. And it sits atop a mountain of theology in the book of Romans. In context, Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is describing how salvation worked in the Old Testament and how salvation works in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we're saved by our adherence to the law of Moses. The man who does these things will live by them. But now, now, in the New Testament, the salvation works in a completely different way. That's not to say that it's in contradiction, but rather it's in a perfect fulfillment of everything that was foreshadowed by the Old Testament. The New Testament sits perfectly atop the pedestal that is the Old Testament. God has written this story from before the beginning, and it ends perfectly. In fact, there's more to be written, and that is to say that there is an eternal age of perfection to come in heaven above, wherein God will bring heaven to earth, make everything new, the old order of things will pass away, the dwelling of God will be with men. That's a lot like how it started in Genesis, in Eden, the dwelling of God with men, the only difference being in this heavenly future, sin will never again reprise itself. So here's Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them, referring to the Israelites, we saw this in, uh, in Romans 9, in verses 1 through 3 of Romans 9, Paul would even, as a Jew himself, say, wish that he himself were cursed and cut off from his own people. If that's what it would take to save them, he'd be willing to be damned himself. That his heart's desire and prayer to God concerning the Israelites, I'll put that in brackets, is for their salvation. I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness. You realize that we're doing that as well in Seattle. We try to make our own righteousness. That righteousness comes through works, through protests and hashtags, revisions of the law. It comes through virtue signaling. These are works of righteousness that accomplish nothing and make us our own saviors, and we're bad saviors. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. So it doesn't matter what we define as righteousness, because that's, by the way, shifting by the minute. What God has said has lasted forever, and it's never failed for millennia. So forgive me if I don't partake in the most recent moral trend. I'm going to stick with what has been true for thousands of years and has never, ever failed. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. Leviticus 18.5. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up into heaven. When we try to virtue signal, it's like ascending the mountain of God and going into heaven on our own. This is the fivefold path. This is the basic message of enlightenment. This is the concept of nirvana. This is innate within Buddhism. This is part of Mormonism. It's legalism, right? 
I'm going to do something that earns heaven. Paul's saying, don't ask that question because that brings Christ down. You just diminish the work of Christ by saying that you, by wearing weird underwear, abstaining from caffeine, going on missions, can earn heaven, which by the way, if we're going to be true to the teachings of Brigham Young, means that you get this planet of your own to rule over in licentiousness with multiple wives. You've just diminished the work of Christ. You're saying, I could do that. That insults Christ. That brings Christ down. Verse 7, or who will go down into the abyss? That's to bring Christ up from the dead. Like you, you can't conquer hell on your own. You can't go down to hell, down into the abyss, and then come back up on your own. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. It's not something that you go out and do. It's right here. You can't go down and conquer hell and then bring Christ up from the dead. You can't ascend into heaven. That insults Christ. You can't do that on your own. If you could do what Christ did, that'd be an insult to Christ. Be humble. Acknowledge the eternal gap that exists between His righteousness and our sinfulness. On the contrary, it's not something you go out and do. It's near you. In fact, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. This is the message of faith we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame. Since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is a quote and fulfillment, really, of Joel 2.32. We saw Peter draw upon that same text when the church was launched into the New Testament era among Jews at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, quoted Joel 2. Now here, at the summit of the Roman mountain of theology, arguably just below the summit, because chapter 11 kind of takes us to the very top, where it ends in chapter 12, and then it becomes very practical for the church, there's Joel 2 once again, right? That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that about the Savior conversation? This is the one verse in the whole Bible that provides an if-then statement. You believe in your heart, and the text says that that results in righteousness. That's verse, uh, that's Romans 10, 10. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. You believe in your heart. That's amazing. Not, you don't just do lip service to God. You don't want to be like that one who honors God with your lips, but your heart is far from Him. No, you really believe it in your heart. That's, what, that's the second half of Romans 10, 9. And you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. So that believing in your heart part is important. The original Greek recipients, all right, the Jewish and Greek recipients would have immediately seen this. And imha kardion, in your heart right here at the core of your being. It's something that you believe at the very center of you, and it defines you from the inside out. And as you believe it at the very core of your being, what results is righteousness. Righteous acts flow from this belief that's right there at the center of your heart. 
In fact, if there is no righteousness, if there's no repentance, if there are no deeds and actions that accompany your faith, James would write that your faith is dead. It's useless. Because you're saved, righteousness is going to flow from you. That's not to say that God can't also use wicked men to accomplish righteous ends. But insofar as it pertains to the Christian, because you believe right here in your heart, righteousness is going to flow. And it's with your mouth that one confesses, resulting in salvation. So this is not an incantation or a spell we cast. We've seen this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. We also saw in our study fulfillment, going verse by verse through Matthew, that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. So it's not like these are magic words. You believe it in your heart and it comes out of your mouth. Jesse, what about the mute? What about people from the deaf community? Man, by all means, you confess with the mouthpiece that you have. You confess outwardly. The point is that it's heard. It's not something magic that happens when you say these words with your mouth. It's that it starts in your heart and then it results in righteousness. So you confess it outwardly. Don't be a Romans 10, 9b Christian who secretly believes it in your heart, but you never confess it with your mouth. Don't deny Jesus before others because he'll deny you before the Father. Confess it with your mouth and others will hear. That's the point. Salvation is something we confess. Now pray for our covert operatives, our undercover missionaries, whose countries I won't even name on camera. They are obeying the Great Commission as given by all the authority of heaven and earth, superseding the laws of man. And these are people who have their whole entire lives confessed Christ. Insofar as it pertains to you, Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So we apply this directly, not with a sense of legalism, but in what I believe is a complete fulfillment of what Romans 10 accomplishes every time we gather as believers. Romans 10.9 is the one verse that encapsulates an if-then statement. All right, like a, it's almost like a P and then a Q. Right? It's, almost, it's almost like a propositional logic equation, right? but something transcendently more. It's this one arrival statement whereby we can also look at this and know, I am saved. I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe it in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. This results in righteousness. This results in salvation that was foreknown by God before the foundations of the earth. It was drawn upon my heart by the Holy Spirit to confess this truth. And that's only possible by the Holy Spirit. I'm not like those who just say the words and never do the will of God because that belief that's in my heart results in righteousness. Righteous deeds are going to flow from my life. I'm going to repent from all sin. Every time it crops up, I'm going to cut it out. Every time God lays something on my heart, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to overflow with the Holy Spirit's presence on my life, I'm fundamentally a different person. The old me is dead, and now I've been raised to walk in new life. This is what we hope God accomplishes through your sacred conversations. Would you know these verses backward and forward? Marinate your heart in these scriptures so that when you're squeezed, this is what comes out these are great ways 
to explain the gospel and a great way to also draw the net in. Your prayer can sound like this. John 3.16, God, I believe. Romans 3.23, God, I confess. Romans 6.23, God, I confess. John 14.6, Jesus, I believe you when you say. And so Romans 10.9, now fill with the Holy Spirit of God. All right, so I believe, I confess, I confess, I believe you, Jesus, when you say, fill with the Holy Spirit of God. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. So you've heard it a thousand times, but are you prepared to do this? Pray this with me for two reasons. One, if you're going to have the sacred conversation, you need to be saved yourself, friend. So this is not a drill. And two, I want you to be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. God, I believe that you love the world in this way. You gave your one and only son that everyone who believes in him would not die but have everlasting life. God, I confess I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I confess the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I believe you, Jesus, when you yourself say that you are the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. And so right here and now, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen.